Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yankees, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for listening. Now, today, Jersey Guy's a little grumpy, and I'm going to be talking about the Rutgers Scarlet Knights basketball team. The wheels are coming off late in the season here. Holy. And the Rangers have a couple big acquisitions. And we'll talk about what that means for the very, very tough Eastern Conference playoffs in hockey. So let's go ahead and get started. So I'm going to go ahead and start off with the Rutgers basketball team. After what was an incredible win at Penn State, where Rutgers rallied from being down 19 points in the second half and came all the way back to win that game and was one of the probably best wins I've seen in years and years for Rutgers. Rutgers followed that game up with a game on the road at Minnesota on Thursday night. And Rutgers lost to Minnesota after being up 10 points on the road with a minute and 15 seconds left. So if you can imagine having a 10-point lead and then losing the game, 10-point lead with a minute left and losing the game, how bad do you have to play in the final minute for that to happen? I mean, this was as bad a loss for Rutgers basketball I think I've I've ever seen. And I've been a fan for maybe 35 years between going to school there and then an alumni, watching the games on TV, watching the games at the rack. This might be the toughest loss I have ever seen. I don't know how it's possible that you can play so bad in the last minute over what is, by the way, a poor team. Minnesota is the last place Big Ten team. Now, it was a road game, but even so, you had a 10-point lead on a team with a minute left, and you lost the game. By the way, this is Rutgers' second loss when they were winning with a second left, (laughs) and the other team shoots as the clock expires and hits a sort of walk-off shot as the buzzer goes off. The Ohio State ridiculous game, and now this game, both were three-point shots where the clock went off as the ball was in the air for the other team, went through the hoop, and Rutgers lost by one point in each game. So this happened not only once, but twice this year. But this one was worse because, A, Minnesota's a lot worse team, and, B, Rutgers had a huge lead with a minute left. This is just as embarrassing, awful, terrible a loss as Rutgers can have. I don't have any other words for it. This is really, really just, it's almost an unthinkable loss the way it went down. And and it's just, I don't even know what to say about it. The wheels are kind of coming off this Rutgers basketball team here at the end of the year. And I cannot stress enough how the loss of Moat Mag has hurt this team. Rutgers basketball has been not the same team at all since Mag went down. They have won, I think, a total of one game, maybe two games. They've won a total of two games in the month plus that Mag has been off this team. They're like two and five, two and six since he went down. They've been terrible. They've lost to Nebraska. They've lost to Minnesota. They're, they've been really, really bad Rutgers since Mag went down, and it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch. And I'll tell you what, one of the biggest problems, and there's a lot for Rutgers, But one of the biggest problems has been Paul Mulcahy. This is a guy who has led us for many years and a guy that I've been high on in the past. Even though he didn't often score a lot, 
he was a guy that's been a very good point guard. He's always led the team well. He's had a lot of assists. He played good defense. And he's really been good for the years that he's been here. And again, maybe coinciding with when Mag went down, probably even before that, but right around that time, maybe even longer, something just changed in Paul Mulcahy's game. And I don't think it's him being hurt or anything, which some people are speculating, but he has just sort of fallen off a cliff with everything in his game. And I don't just mean the scoring, which has just also been a disaster. He's also not scoring at all. Like, I don't want, you know, 20 points a game from him, but he could chip in with five or 10 every now and then, right? I mean, you think he has an 8.6 points per game average or something. He went two consecutive games over the last week without a single point. Not a free throw, not a layup, not a bucket. Imagine going over two games as a starting point guard on a team playing, whatever, 25, 30 minutes out of 40, two games in a row, and having zero total points. That sucks balls. And i got to tell you, it's not really even about the scoring with him, as I mentioned. But just, you know, to throw that out there, you got to chip in a little, you know, even if you're not really, you know, deemed for scoring. He hasn't chipped in at all. Now, in addition, and, and much bigger than that, he has been actively hurting the team. Turnover after turnover. Poor decisions on what to do. He has a poor cadence lately, meaning that he comes across midcourt and, and just stops, right? And I don't mean when you're trying to kill the clock at the end or anything like that. Like, his sort of general, and I don't know who's calling the plays or what, or, or it just seems like I can tell. he come, Someone else brings the ball up, and the offense needs to move a little bit. Rutgers has all kinds of problems on offense with or without him, but still, with him, it's even worse. He comes across, gets the ball across midcourt, and just stops and dribbles for five or seven seconds. And nothing happens. And the defense gets to set up and they look around. And it just seems like lately he doesn't have any mojo to his game, meaning that he doesn't know what he's going to do. He doesn't know what he's trying to set up. When he should be moving quickly, he's moving slowly. When he goes into the paint where he used to be able to make a you know, couple nice you know pivots and foot moves and get a shot, now he just seems stuck there. He gets pinned down and turns the ball over. And it's happened over and over play after playing, and game after game recently, which sucks balls because he's fucking killing Rutgers. He's killing us, absolutely killing us. Turnovers, poor decisions, his bad cadence, bad shooting, no scoring whatsoever. He has killed us. I mean, it's, it's one thing to not help your team. It's another team to actually hurt your team. And in my opinion, Paul Mulcahy is actively hurting the fucking team, and he should be on the bench. Let him come off the bench and play a couple minutes. Let Simpson bring the ball up or something. I've had enough with Mulcahy. Enough. He, I just, it's hard to watch him and it's hard to watch this team. And I am not in a good mood after that ridiculous, ridiculous loss to Minnesota last night. And watching Mulcahy be a big part of it. Again, as part of that collapse with one minute left. At one point, you know, Rutgers inbounds the ball. Mulcahy's on, when I'm looking at the camera on TV, the near side of the court, and he tries a pass all the way, you know, laterally across to the far side of the court, like literally from one end line to another. It was so telegraphed. The second he threw it up, I could see it was getting picked off. It got picked off. The guy came in, scored a three-pointer, and bam, they were within, I don't know how many points at that point, three or two. But it was an awful, awful decision with 25 seconds left and like a, a six or five-point lead. You can't do that. You have to... Get the ball across midcourt safely or make a safe pass. It's part of his litany 
of poor decisions over the last month, month and a half. And I don't want to hear shit about his, you know, uh, his injury or anything else causing it. No one causes mental breakdowns. Mental breakdowns have nothing to do with how you're physically playing. Just a moron with what you're trying to do. I just, I don't want to hear it. There's been some excuse making I've seen on the internet and in other places about Mulcahy. And I'm not having any of it. His game is dog shit. Absolute dumpster fire dog shit lately. And he is killing the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Now, Rutgers, a month, five weeks ago, were an absolute lock of locks to make the NCAA tournament this year. And as we stand here today on Friday, March 3rd, they are not a lock. They are not a lock at all. This latest loss has now thrown their tournament hopes up in the air. They have to play a very, very, very tough Northwestern team over the weekend as the final regular season game of the year and then get into the gauntlet of the Big Ten tournament, which you never know what's going to happen, right? Rutgers is now going to be a much lower seed because of the wheels falling off the last month. So they're going to have to play tougher teams earlier. They're not getting any buys. So it's going to be very, very tough for Rutgers to win many more games before the NCAA tournament, which is going to put them right on the bubble of getting in or out now. And they've caused this all on themselves. And Mulcahy has been a huge part of this disaster. And by the way, I'm not going to blame everything on Mulcahy. Over the games, various people have been really, really bad. I'm not going to talk just about Minnesota, but if you look at the totality of the last month and a half, At various times, Spencer has been completely absent. Simpson has been terrible. He won one game for us, but he has not been good. There's been lots of bad play, I mean, from lots of people. Hyatt has been an utter disaster in most games. He's had a good game recently. But if you watch his play over the last month, it's been mostly awful. So it's not just Mulcahy, but Mulcahy stands out in that he's a veteran senior guard, even though he has another year of eligibility if he wants And he has proven that he's better than this, but something has happened. And his disgusting play has coincided with Rutgers and the wheels coming off. So Rutgers is firmly on the bubble now for the NCAA tournament. No one knows. They're going to have to actually win and play well from now on to actually get in the NCAA tournament. They lose to Northwestern and then lose the first game of the uh, Big Ten tournament. And there's a pretty good damn chance they're not making the tournament. And that would be just one of the biggest collapses of a season that I could possibly remember. And it all coincided with Mag going down. It's amazing. The before and after of Moat Mag, and you would not think he was a big part of this team. And I've been a pretty big detractor of his until, say, a month before he went down when he seemed to turn his game around. And he went down at sort of the height of how he was playing, too. He turned his game around, was really playing well on offense and defense and making plays and good in the open court. And at that particular moment, he got hurt and was out for the season. It's just um, bad stuff, bad stuff, bad stuff. So uh, this is tough to watch. And and Rutgers is on the bubble now. We're going to have to see what they do. Um, And and I've had it. It, It's very tough to watch. I'm going to move on, talk quickly about the New York Rangers, and get out of here today. So the New York Rangers made some big acquisitions over the last couple weeks. They acquired Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. And if you would have told me that a couple months ago, I would have been just jumping for joy. And I kind of am now. Um, These are two huge superstars that they've added to a lineup that has had some trouble scoring this year, five on five, and for a couple years. Um, And this should definitely, definitely help with their scoring. Um, These are huge pickups. Um, Even though the Rangers are recently 
kind of struggling to find their game. They lost last night to Ottawa at home in Patrick Kane's debut. Kane seems to mesh well with um, Panarin. They played together in Chicago for a couple years, and they played well together. And I can already tell that Kane's game is kind of suited to be on the same line as um, as Panarin. And you could kind of see already, really, in the first game that they can kind of feel each other and where they are. Um, and we'll see how that works out. As for the Rangers as a whole, they're still struggling to find their game. They won a couple in a row before this, but then they before that they had lost a few in a row. Um, the Eastern Conference in hockey, in the NHL, is so ridiculous. Ridiculously tough. The teams in the Eastern Conference, it is a gauntlet. I mean, to get to the Stanley Cup final this year, just to get there, might be the greatest achievement you'll ever see because the number of outstanding, outstanding teams in the East is ridiculous. There's probably seven. I'm going to say seven teams in the entire NHL that have a legitimate chance of winning the Stanley Cup. But again, you know how this goes, guys. You know, some years you just, hockey is different from the other sports where some team can just get hot and have a hot goalie and just kind of make it all the way to the Stanley Cup and win it. Sometimes it happens. It does. But, you know, sort of, short of that sort of weirdness, seven print teams probably have a legit shot of winning the Stanley Cup in 2023. Six of those seven are in the Eastern Conference. Six of the possible seven teams. So the Rangers have to get by, and the Rangers are one of them. The Rangers have to get by the five, <coughs> excuse me, other teams in the East before they even get to the Stanley Cup. Boston is ridiculous, right? They still don't even have 10 losses yet. The season is going to end, you know, in a couple weeks. And then they, they're approaching 50 wins, and they don't even have 10 losses yet. It's ridiculous. I mean, they're so far ahead of everyone else in the league, it's insane, Right. Um, you have the Devils in the Rangers' own division, who are who seem better than the Rangers. You have, you know, still the Carolina Hurricanes, who are in first place in our division, right? And, you know, again, it's the same ridiculous thing, right? The top, you know, the Rangers are the fourth best record in hockey, but the third best record in their division. It's that kind of thing. It's just, you know, insanity. In any case, you know, you have Tampa Bay and Toronto, also monster teams this year in Boston's division, who won't come anywhere near first place because Boston is off the charts. So you got Boston, you got Toronto, you got Tampa Bay in the East in Boston's division that are just ridiculously tough to play and good. You got Carolina, the Devils, and the Rangers, all very, very, very good this year. All in the East. All in the East. So just to get out of that is going to be insane. Insane. Um, at the trade deadline, you saw what was basically an arms race for the Eastern Conference teams. Every team loading up. The Devils got, God damn it, got Timo Meyer, who's probably like the best scorer that went somewhere on the deadline. Now, Patrick Kane is a proven, proven, proven veteran. And he is older, and this is his 16th season. But, you know, it's not like he's 40. He's 34, and he still can play, obviously. Um, now, We'll see how much he has left in the tank and how motivated he is, but we will need every bit of him because while we've acquired a lot of skill and the team has a lot of skill, you know, we traded away some of our toughness. Sammy Blay is gone, right? And and we, we don't have the toughness that we once had up and down the lineup. And the playoffs are as much about a war of attrition in the NHL as it is about a skill competition. So, 
you have to be tough. You have to be able to grind. You have to be able to hit. And you have to be able to persevere a lot of times in the NHL playoffs. And we're going to see if the Rangers have the team that's built for a longer run. And quite honestly, as as I say, I would not be completely shocked if the Rangers lost in the first round. they got to play the Devils in all likelihood in the first round, who, in my opinion, are a better team. And we're going to see. Um, if you had told me before the season started that that would be the case, that the Rangers would acquire these people and the Devils would still be a better team, I, you know, I'd probably be laughing. But um, it's a truth. It, it is. And, and I, I would be very nervous about playing the Rangers – I bet the Rangers playing the Devils in the first round, which is likely to happen. And I will not be shocked if they actually lose in the first round because the Devils are very, very good. And then they'd have to get through probably the Hurricanes. And then they'd probably have to get through Boston, right? So the path to the Rangers just to get to the Cup is going to probably be the Devils, who I think are better than them. Probably the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, who are going to be finish ahead of both the Devils and the Rangers. And then just beat clearly the best team in hockey this year, the Boston Bruins, who are just head and shoulders above everyone else. And if they manage all that, that just gets them to the Stanley Cup, where they'll have to face the Western Conference champion. So it's going to be a tough road to hoe. It's going to be a tough path to the Stanley Cup. But I'm very excited about seeing how Tarasenko and Patrick Kane play. Tarasenko is starting to find his game lately. He's got a couple goals. Uh, he had a game-winning overtime goal the other day and another goal last night in the Rangers' loss to Ottawa. Tarasenko seems to be really finding his his game. Kane uh, looks like he's going to mesh really well with Panarin. We'll see how that goes. So uh, it's going to be an interesting, interesting finish to the season and an interesting um, playoff run, uh, a war of attrition uh, throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs this year for the Rangers. So that's all I have for you today for a grumpy Jersey guy. I want to thank you listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends all about it and I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks and have a good day.